0: Hello and welcome to the Park Baptist Church podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the word of God in a real and authentic way. So you are filled with the spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. in geometry which you know i know it's a sin to talk about math i I hated math when i was in school um but in geometry when you're plotting a graph the slightest error in your math will cause your point on the graph to be way off. Um, you know, it, it, it can be way off in a major way depending on, on how inaccurate your, your math might be. What seems like small, what seems like insignificant, when you plot from one point to the next, again, if your math is off, you're gonna end up being way off in, in, in your calculations. And obviously, when that's applied to real world, that can have devastating effects when you're designing a a bridge or you're plotting a course across the ocean on a, a boat or 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 anything like that. You know, there there's consequences to missing the mark and being accurate matters in that same way in our approach to life. You know, how you plot the course of your life is going to play a huge role in where you end up at the end. And in this text we're looking at today, in 1 Peter chapter 1, um, this, this section here is about Understanding the course of your life and plotting an accurate course for your life. In verse 13 of 1 Peter 1, it says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now that last sentence, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world, that's that's talking about the, the course, the direction of our life. When we think about our own lives and we think about where would I like to end up? Where where do I want to to target so that when my life draws to an end, this is where I will be? Then that's what this is talking about here. When we start thinking about the direction of our life what we should be doing is saying at the end when when i when I get to my destination I want to be able to meet, Christ. I, I want to wind up in, in heaven in a relationship with God. You want to be able to meet Christ. That's, that's what he's, he's talking about here. And in order to do that, we want to be able to meet him unashamed, meet him in a bold way, and be able to have Jesus say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. That should be our long-range target or our objective for life. You know, that's where we want to end up. I don't think there's probably a a person alive who, if you were to say, where do you want to end up? They would say, I want to end up in the best place possible. Uh, You know, I I want to go to heaven when I die. You know, I, I want to be in right standing with God. So how do you get there? You know, is, is Peter going to say, well, all you have to do is pray a prayer or all you have to do is go to church or all you have to do is get baptized or all you have to do is carry around a big Mongo King James Version Bible. You know, that makes you holy if you walk around with a big Bible. You know, is that what is that what Peter's going to tell us? No, what he says here is how you guarantee to wind up at the right spot is at the beginning of that verse. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Now, if you're using one of these big Mongo King James Bibles, it will say, gird up the loins of your mind. Isn't that a weird way to say things? I'm sorry, but gird up the loins of your mind. And what that's saying is in biblical times, you know, they wore those long robes. And if you wanted to run or if you wanted to get move in a hurry, then what you would do is you would take your robe and you'd pull it up and you'd tuck it into your belt so that your legs were free. And that way you were you were able to to maneuver and, and get around. Well, what Peter is using here as a metaphor. And what he's saying is pull in the loose ends of your thinking. How? By rejecting the hindrances of the world and and instead focusing on the, the grace of God. Now, remember, the objective is to arrive at a point where we meet Christ In Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God." So what this is telling us is the same thing, that your focus in life needs to be on the eternal, not the temporary. This life is temporary. We're all going to die at some point. We're all going to wind up one day standing before God. And how we used our life, how we committed our life The trajectory of our life is going to be what determines eternity in Ephesians chapter 6 Paul talks about the armor of the Christian and it's interesting because the very first thing he talks about is wearing the belt of truth you know again if you want to if you want to t- pull up your robe and tuck it in or in other words if you want your mind to be focused the first thing you have to do is wear the belt of truth in Ephesians 6 beginning with verse 13 it says therefore put on on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the Bible or after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. "'For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the, from the good news "'so that you will be fully prepared. "'In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith "'to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. "'Put on salvation as your helmet, "'and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God.'" So, what ties all the loose ends, if you will, of your life together is a commitment to the truth of God's word. We we can't have things flopping around. We can't have things you know bouncing around in our minds. We have to pull all of the loose ends together and so that we know and understand truth and that we live under the 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 security of that truth. In Hebrews 12, it talks about lay aside whatever trips you up uh, the sin that so easily entangles you to run the race that is set before you. So what Peter is telling us here is prepare your mind to eliminate all of the entanglements, all of the, the bad thinking, all of the, the wrong thinking. Uh, you know, this is a decisive act. This is not uh, some sort of a, a casual thing. Let me, let me say this clearly. We do not live the Christian life in a leisurely fashion that that doesn't exist if you're not living if you're living the christian life and you're not in a battle there's something wrong you know and if you intend to hit the goal of being a pleasing servant to god then you have to prepare for battle the christian life is hard it's not intended to be easy. In fact, it's not intended to be pretty. Don't expect your Christian walk to be an easy process. There is a a. Um, Christian theologian and pastor, a man by the name of Vodi Bachman. And if you have never heard of that name before, I I recommend you Google him and and you listen to some of his his teaching. But one of the things that Vodi Bachman says is the only way to have your best life now is if you are going to hell when you die. Let that sink in a little bit. We are in a spiritual war. And if you are living an easy life, spiritually speaking, it's because you're headed in the same direction. you're, You're on the same side with the enemy, with Satan. You know, he's not going to attack his own and so we need to understand that if in the Christian life, if you're not feeling like you're being attacked, if you, if you don't understand that, that day in and day out, it's a grind to live the Christian life correctly, then there's a problem. We can't go through this life being exposed to the sin of this society and, and the world around us without it having an effect on us. You know, spiritual self-discipline is extremely necessary. You know, we should be really concerned about the the poison if you will of this culture you know it has poisoned us as individuals and as a result the church is poisoned let's pull in the the loose ends of our lives Philippians 4.8 says to think on what is good and holy and just and true and pure. You know, that, that's, that's where our mindset needs to be. Well, how do we do that? Well, the first thing we need to understand as Christians, we need to know who owns us. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. You are owned by somebody. You are either owned by Christ or you are owned by the enemy, by, by, by the devil. Acts 20:28 20, says, guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, notice this, purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Do you see here that, that God has purchased us with His own blood? We belong to God. We don't own ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought with a high price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, in your body, which belongs to God. Now, back to 1 Peter 1 and looking at verse 14, it says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And then the, the same point he he he's talking about staying away from the corruption of, of this world because we have been saved, we have been redeemed. You know, those, because most of you in, in this class, in this class, in this room are old enough to remember when you used to buy a Coke, you would t- get the glass bottle and then you could take them back to the store and they would give you a dime for every bottle. That's how I funded my college, to be quite honest. I, I, you know, every Coke bottle I could find, I was snatching up in order to take it to the 7-Eleven and get my money, you know, so... But that's what redeeming is. You take something that has basically become used up. It, it has no purpose. It has no value to, to the, the average casual look. But when you bring it to someone that puts places value on it, they'll pay you for it. It's redeemed. Well, we had no value as as broken sinners. And yet Jesus paid the price. He died on the cross so that we would be made valuable again. God looks at us and says, I value you. But with that understanding, verse 15 says, so now you must be holy in everything you do. As God who chose you is holy for the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy remember who owned you. You have been bought with a price. You have been purchased by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by his shed blood on the cross. Christ is the precious sacrifice. And because he is Christ, he is perfect. And because of that, his, his sacrifice was the only acceptable sacrifice that God would accept. You you and I can't do a thing to make God say, you did good, you're in heaven. We don't do anything. We we can't do anything to be good enough to get into heaven. We were bought with a price, so we are owned by God. Secondly, if you want to secure the loose ends of your life and, and maintain spiritual self discipline, you honor and abide by the covenant of salvation. When you became a believer, You, whether, and and hopefully you understand this, you made a vow. You made a commitment. You entered into a covenant relationship. If you are genuinely saved, you basically had this mindset. You had this attitude where you said, I turn from my sin and I submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. I acknowledge that I am a slave. You are my master. I give you my life. The act of salvation is an act of obedience because the gospel commands it. The gospel says repent and believe. That is the message of salvation. God has commanded all of us as an act of obedience to repent and believe and obey. Prior prior to that Romans 3 talks about the fact that there is none of us that are good. None of us are righteous. All of us are disobedient. First Peter 1, 2, Peter says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed from the blood by the blood of Jesus Christ we are chosen by God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. In other words, sets us apart. He makes us holy. And this, in order that you may obey Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's why you were saved? You weren't saved. I wasn't saved so that we could sit around and say, ooh, life is good. And when I die, I get to go to heaven that's that's the icing on the cake but the reality is is that until then we are to be obedient to Christ because we are in a war you know th- this is this is what salvation really looks like remember Jesus in the, in the great commission said go and baptize and teach them to observe or obey All the things that I have commanded you, you know, the Christian life isn't one where you're walking through and you say, oh, I I like the salvation part. I'll take that. And oh, I I like that God will always watch over me and take care of me. I like that. And oh, here's here's something else I really like, but I don't want to have to do all that obeying stuff. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to commit my life and take up my cross. Uh, I, no, thanks. I, I, I choose not that. that. It doesn't work that way. The Christian life is one of desperation. We come to salvation by realizing that we are sinners, that we are separated from God. And so we we come to a place of hopelessness, a place of brokenness. And we look out and we say, God, I need you. I want you. I am a sinner. I, I realize that I deserve to go to hell I submit myself to you. I deny myself. I turn my life over to you. I will take up my cross and follow you. I will be obedient to you. You are the master. I am the slave. I submit to you. You know, this is the Christian mindset that we must have. That is Christianity. And Peter is saying that when you were saved, you were set apart. The Holy Spirit living in you gives you the ability to be obedient to Christ. You know, we as believers are, were saved by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We were brought into a covenant relationship of obedience to God that has been sealed by the blood of Jesus. Peter's point is that, that the death of Christ actually satisfies God's demand for justice. Salvation is the moment. When, when you said, when you understood, when you committed, I will obey, I submit, I commit to a life of obedience to Christ. And if you haven't done that, I don't care who you are, myself included. If you have not come to a place where you say, I submit, I repent, I will be obedient then you are not a saved person. Please hear that clearly. Don't sit back and think, "Well, I'm a member of the church, surely I'm saved, or I come to church most of the time, or or anything else. That's not salvation. Salvation is obedience to Christ. So the first thing we do is we remember who owns us. The second thing we do is we keep the covenant of obedience. And then the third thing is is we realize that all sin is a severe violation of God's law. In verse 14, 15 and 16, it says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, You must be holy because I am holy. Now, if you, if you believe and if you say that you belong to Christ and that God is your father, then you have to have the desire to honor God and to, to worship God. If that's who you are, then you and I must pursue holiness. We, now, I, having said that, we can't exactly be like Jesus. Obviously not. Not. We're not going to be perfect in this life. There is not a day goes by that none of us don't sin. You know, we, it's just reality. But our goal, our objective should be to live a life that is righteous and holy In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, it says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Every sin is a violation of God. And we need to understand that. There are not categories of sin. You know, murder, obviously I would rather someone lie to me than murder me. But having said that, they're equal. Lying and murder are sin. It doesn't matter. It's all wrong. And so we can't dismiss and say, well, that was just a little sin. No. Every sin, if we are truly seeking to to honor Christ and live holy lives, there is no place for it in our lives you know and and the problem is is if we allow sin to hang around in our lives we become dry spiritually. We become more and more dehydrated spiritually. In Psalm 20, uh, 32, verse 4, David is talking about the fact that he has been living in sin and he finally confesses and he, he gets it out in the open. This is after his situation with, with Bathsheba and killing her husband and all of that good stuff. <coughs> And this is what David said. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And the reality is, is that some of us are so spiritually dry, we couldn't spit right now if we had to. You know, we are just empty. We are we have no oomph whatsoever, well, the way we get this corrected is through repentance and obedience. Do not be casual about the sin in your life. Now, this this is where we need to find ourselves, and. It it takes a serious commitment in our life to end up where we want to be. Remember who owns us. You know, we do not belong to ourselves. Understand that everything you do goes back to the covenant you made when you became saved. You said, Lord, save me. I'll follow you. Remember also that every sin is a personal violation of God's holiness. And so as children of God, you strive, you live, you, you fight tenaciously to not be into to any kind of sin, if at all possible. You know, the language of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 is is really harsh. It's very stinging. And he says, if you're a believer and Christ is in you and you join yourself, for example, to a prostitute, what you're really doing is making Christ be with that prostitute also. Well, In other words, when we sin, we are making Christ a part of whatever sin that is. So it doesn't matter whether it's gossip or bitterness, laziness, pride, arrogance, lust, gluttony. It doesn't matter. You are connecting Christ to that behavior. So if Christ lives in you, you don't go anywhere without Him. So any sin that you you allow to come into your life is a an incomprehensible outrage to Jesus because you've made him a party to that. Now one one final thought and I'll be done here. We need to develop a a sense of of conviction. You know, um we need to decide that we're in on this. We, we can't continue to just kind of go through life saying "Eh, it'll all work out. No, we have to be intentional about our Christian lives. We have to live with a mindset that is focused, focus your life, do the hard things that are necessary to live a godly life. Let's close in prayer. Father, I, I come before you this morning and I, I begin by just saying that I think it's fantastic that you can take who we are and actually do great and wondrous things through us. And I thank you for that. And I just pray that as as we um, come to a close of this time, that you will help each and every one of us to honestly examine our lives And help us, Father, to commit to the truth of your word and live lives that are are not loose and, and flopping around, but that we live lives that are focused and that they are lives that begin and end with you. Thank you, Father. Speak now to the hearts of each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.